Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 317 through 319, which will not be covering any manga chapters as these three episodes are all completely fillers that follow the various Straw Hat crew members in their shenanigans around Water 7 as they wait for their new ship to be built. So, yeah, this will be a shorter episode, obviously, because it's covering those fillers. And again, I kind of apologize because my voice isn't quite up to 100% still yet. So it's, it'll, get, it'll get there eventually, hopefully.、Um, but yeah, let's get into the synopsis. These filler episodes see the Straw Hats interacting and assisting with the citizens of Water 7 during the several days that they're waiting for Frankie and the Galila Company guys to finish building the new ship. In one story, we see Luffy and Chopper help a girl search for her long lost Yagara Bull. In the second one, Zoro has to help a family that is being threatened by a group of debt collectors and loan sharks. And we finally see Sanji meeting up with an old chef to go on a hunt around Water 7 for the secret ingredient to his amazingly tasting dishes. Alrighty, so obviously, since there are no differences, there's no manga to draw off of. We'll just get straight into my thoughts on these episodes. So, the first filler episode is probably my favorite of the three and actually got some genuine emotion out of me and was pretty, is a pretty heartfelt story. It also has the best animation quality out of the three as well because it, it does seem to go downhill pretty fast over the next two episodes that follow. But, anyways, this first episode follows a young girl named Abi who is looking for her family, Yagara Bull Aobire. Who had gone missing due to the Aqua Laguna and they had to leave him behind as they went for shelter. Most of the townspeople have kind of given up hope as this Yagarabul or Aobide is over 100 years old, and many have assumed that they just went to sort of this mystical final resting place that has sort of this superstitious legend aspect to it. And that's, that in and of itself is very strange, and I'll kind of touch upon this a little later, but. I found this addition very strange, at least to the lore of the Yagarabu. Anyways, it's also explained that her family named the Yagarabu Aobire because he has a blue fin, and Luffy talks about how that name makes sense. Well, and you can probably guess this from the context here, but the reason why it makes sense is because Aou means blue and Bire or Hire means fin. And so when you put them together, usually hire is, is fin and ao means blue, but when you like, combine them together in Japanese, you often have to throw in that b sound. So it becomes aobire. And so, yeah, he's, he's literally just named blue fin. The story kind of starts off with、um, Abi seeing Luffy and Chopper in the city and decides to enlist their help with sort of that cliche young kid asking the hero and offering to pay them with their piggy bank savings. Luffy, of course, being the good guy he is, decides to accept the job and help her search for Albide. Also, just as a side note,、uh, during this scene, at about the 5 minute 48 second、uh, mark, you can clearly see Panda Man standing in the back, in the center, with sort of this weird pose. He's got like one arm raised, like he's cheering, but he's standing completely still, even as the camera moves and, and some of the other bystanders around him are moving. It's, it's really weird, but yeah, he's, he's right back there. It's pretty obvious, but I found that really strange that he's just kind of static there. Anyways, we get the obligatory people mistakenly calling Chopper a raccoon dog, but Abby puts her own little twist on it by adding the, the word little. But in Japanese, she actually calls him Mame Tanuki, which translates to bean raccoon dog. Mame means bean. And yeah, she's using the word bean to indicate that he's tiny or small, which I think is really cute. 
The trio travels around the city and somehow find their way to the top of the Water 7 fountain, high above the center of the city, where Luffy's reasoning is pretty sound that he can see everything from up there better. But because they're so high up, they can't really make anything out, and it's kind of a pointless endeavor. But in, in a kind of weird connection to the next episode, Luffy notices Zoro running around the city with these two children. And this is actually Zoro along with uh, Michael and Hoikol in their little adventure in the next episode. And I can't quite determine when in the episode this actually takes place, but I had imagined that this moment is during the first half of the episode where Zoro is trying to run to find the swords after they told him that there's this secondhand shop. At least I think that's where that moment is. Because he's not. it doesn't look like he's trying to run away from them quite yet. And I thought this was a good bit of foresight and continuity for the next episode that they didn't have to include, but it is a pretty neat like attention to detail, I think. They eventually run into Robin and Nami who are still out shopping, but I bring this scene up specifically because here we get another non-canon instance of Robin displaying kind of her immense versatility and range of her ability that we never really see come close to seeing in the canon material. In this scene, Robin, in an effort to help, she sprouts like a dozen arms and, and or actually more than a double several dozen arms and eyes all over the city in a seemingly like incredibly wide range of, of with her ojos fleur and i mean the sheer number is just incredible i mean it also brings up the question does the hanahana fruit like alter her brain as well like how can she process that much information from those that many eyes and yeah stuff like that always pops into my head when when stuff like this happens <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't have any luck with Robin's help or anyone else as they go around the city asking all of the main characters. And yeah, this section of the episode does a good job of showing us how important and attached to Aobire and Abi are, setting up for that sort of heart-wrenching ending of this episode. And this moment kind of reminds me a lot of what, it, what we've all had to go through, you know, when it comes to aging pets and them slowly getting old and losing, like, their sight and their health and experiencing more and more, you know, health issues in general. And, and you know, inevitably, their time is coming and you have a hard time letting go. And the montage really does a good job of catch, capturing that pain and sort of that dread, I feel like. They eventually make a break in the case by coming across a piece of Albita's scarf which leads them to some underground tunnels and eventually Albide himself. However, he can't go back home with Abi as he's already ready to pass on. While Abi and Luffy try to grab him, he starts to fade away. And I'll be honest, this part was pretty sad. It reminds us all of the pain of losing a lifelong pet and friend. However, it is sort of like a reincarnation moment as it turns out Albide saved and was taking care of a struggling little baby Agarabul. And it's a pretty sweet story how Abi has now a new Yagara bull to take care of and grow with. But I also have so many questions regarding this episode, though. It seems really strange to apply this much sort of mystical aspects to the lore of the Yagara bulls. Apparently, they have their own special afterlife, including the ability to dematerialize when they die of natural causes, almost like a Jedi. <laughs> and somehow all the Yagara bulls on the island can sense this when they pass away. But not only that, they all howl into the sky to honor the passing of that Yagara bull. But my question is, wouldn't they be like howling almost like every other day? I mean, what are the odds that a Yagara bull doesn't pass away often like every day or every other day? And I feel like if this does happen often enough, it would be really annoying to the citizens of the island. And 
<laughs> these are just some of my own like stupid shower thoughts about this episode and all the weird things it introduces into the lore of the Yagara Bulls that I don't know that Oda even even like considered. Moving on to the second of the three fillers, it follows Zoro as he gets roped into caring for a struggling foster family of the two hooligans that tried to mug Zoro uh, earlier and got inadvertently tasked with guiding them back to the Galila company headquarters. The funny thing is, these hooligan kids actually turn out to be two random kids that Lulu originally thought were behind the attack on Iceberg instead of the betrayal by Lucci and the others. And this scene was hilarious in and of itself because at that point, we had no idea who they were. And even Polly responding, who the hell are these people? And because it was such a random answer with even Hoiko not even being a real name, that scene was super funny. But it turns out those kids were the kids that Zoro was being guided by after they tried to mug him. And the crazy thing is, is like, it wasn't even apparent at the time that these are the Michael and Hoiko that Lulu was talking about. And we wouldn't actually learn that in the manga until Oda confirmed it in an SBS Q&A. But in the anime, luckily, we have this episode to actually tell us this. They seek him out and ask him to accept them as their sort of younger brother. Similarly to how Frankie, the Frankie family members see Frankie as their sort of older brother, because they often call him Aniki. Of course, Zoro wants none of this, and as he's busy trying to replace Yubashiri, and they get him to accompany them with the promise of the location of a secondhand store that may sell, you know, possibly a replacement cheap sword. But ultimately, this is unfruitful. So Zoro just tries to get away from them. But they're too good at navigating the streets of Water 7 to outrun. Zoro eventually pisses their mom off through a misunderstanding. But that quickly gets resolved. And it turns out she's running a form of a foster home for a bunch of children in Water 7. Which Zoro gets kind of roped into tagging along and helping taking care of the kids for a little bit. If nothing else, this episode's saving grace is it's pretty hilarious seeing Zoro in this sort of undersized halter top that says mama (laughs) taking care of little babies. There's also a really cute scene later on in the episode where Zoro is trying to avoid being seen by anyone he knows while he's got the babies. But Robin eventually catches him by chance and it's a pretty funny and sweet moment where she promises to keep his secret but also says that it, it suits him very well. Yeah, it's a very cute scene, I think. There's also a funny gag later as well where Zoro starts to argue with the mom and she calls him broccoli head for his green head. And Zoro gets angry and corrects her by saying he's a moss head or a marimo head, which is what well known for what Sanji obviously calls him to insult him. But I love that at least according to this sort of filler episode that Zoro oddly views this as a kind of term of endearment by Sanji that he'd rather be insulted by being called a marimo head as opposed to a broccoli head. Prior to their adventure out on the town, we learn that the family is being threatened by some gangster loan shark debt collectors. After a while, Zoro gets fed up with all this and leaves. But eventually, the debt collectors do come back. And they do corner the kids by taking them hostage. And Zoro does come back to rescue and all is well again. And this this story ends. I mean, this, this, this one's pretty simple and kind of boring as well. One side note is that the pirate that the loan sharks uh, hire to attack the family is the same pirate captain that um, his name is Mikazuki of the Big Helmet Pirates, who we actually saw way back in episode 230, trying to stiff paying the Galila companies for the work they did on their pirate ship. 
and they end up getting their asses handed to them because of that. And yeah, I like to think that he was probably stuck on Water 7 taking mercenary jobs because the Galileo you know, company probably made sure that his ship was unsaleable since they couldn't pay. So it makes sense that he's kind of here just stuck. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, it kind of makes sense. But it, yeah, it's a really weird connection. Also, by the way, I don't think I ever mentioned this in the original appearance of this character. Is his name, Mikazuki, is Japanese for Crescent Moon, which is why he's got that big crescent moon on his helmet. Kind of a random fact for you. And in the last of the three episodes, Sanji is out shopping with Chimini and Gombe. And like the other two episodes, the central character of this episode runs into Robin and Nami as they're out shopping. But this time they're being hounded by the media paparazzi of Water 7. And like the normal sexist line of questioning we see reporters ask female celebrities in real life, they start asking increasingly personal questions to the point where they want to get pictures of them in their bikinis, which is really creepy. But what's funny is that Nami knows her worth and is always looking for an opportunity to profit from it. And while you'd think Nami would be offended, she's actually ready to charge them for the pictures of her in swimwear. And Nami's over here ready to start her only OnlyFans account years before it was even a thing. However, the main part of this story is Sanji running across an old man running a restaurant out of a small boat. Sanji borrows this man's kitchen to prepare something for Chimney and Gombe, who were complaining that they were very hungry, which the old man recognizes Sanji's knife's handling skills as being that of Zeph's. And the man cooks some fried rice for Sanji, Chimney, and Gombe, and they're all blown away by how good it tastes, leading Sanji to want to figure out what the secret behind it is. As the rest of the episode sees Sanji trying to figure that out and learning how to cook with this sort of secret ingredient, which just turns out to be some of the, like this sort of special salt that gets deposited on the roofs of the building that are submerged by the Aqua Laguna. And then eventually the water sort of evaporates, leaving just the, the salt deposits. Although this kind of makes me wonder how this guy's livelihood would be affected by when San or not Sanji, when Iceberg finally finishes his sort of upgrades to Water 7 to make it float and avoid the Aqua Laguna to a certain extent, he won't be able to get the salt anymore? Like, <laughs> that seems really detrimental, I feel like. But yeah, I mean, that's about it. This, this filler is easily the worst of the three and barely even has a plot, if you could even call it that. As nothing really happens, I feel like it's too close to all the other Sanji-centric fillers where he just kind of learns about a new cooking technique or makes someone appreciate cooking or some ingredient. And to be honest, it's really pointless and boring. And this is only the second time I've ever watched all three of these fillers. I think I watched them when they originally aired, and then this is the only other time I've ever seen them for this rewatch. But yeah, overall, while these fillers aren't the best thing in the world, they're fairly short with only three episodes, and they have some fun moments in them outside of the Sanji episode, which was, again, really boring. And yeah, like most filler episodes, though, while these can be slightly entertaining, they can ultimately be skipped. And with at three episodes with no canon material in them, these can literally be skipped. But yeah, next podcast will be right back on track with the main story, and it's going to be a pretty exciting one with some awesome new reveals, which I can't wait to talk about. But anyways, that'll bring this episode to a close. If you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast for updates of when I post new episodes or to see some pictures of my manga collection. And as always, I want to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. Stay safe out there, and I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye!